All throughout life, young people face so many questions. Questions about God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven, hell, sin. Questions about faith, work, relationships, sex, the future, God's plan, and so much more. Oftentimes, these questions never get asked, and unanswered questions turn into doubt and discouragement. That's why I started this podcast. My name is Aaron Salvato. I spent years as a youth pastor, and I truly believe that it is the responsibility of church leaders to engage with questions. Over the years, I've collected hundreds of questions from students, and as we work our way through them, I can promise you this. I won't always have all the answers, but I'll always do my best to point our attention back to the one who does have all the answers. I'm Aaron Salvato, and you're listening to Ask a Youth Pastor. Hey guys, this is Aaron Salvato. I'm coming to you from a flat in York, England, an upper room. And the reason I'm coming to you is because I am doing a little demo of a podcast. I've always loved podcasts. I've always been such a fan. I listen to a ton. And I've had this dream of doing a podcast that was sort of a question and answer podcast where youth pastors would answer the questions. So that's what we're going to try to do. So what I need you to do is to send me some questions, whether you text them in on this app, Anchor, or whether you hit the little call in button and then you actually record a question yourself. Uh, If you do that, then I will respond to your questions as they come. And it should be a lot of fun. Um, It's pretty exciting. I think it's rad. And um, I think a good thing to do would just be ask anything, Um, you know, anything about life or Christianity, faith, um, any doubts or discouragements that you have, any curiosities or questions about the Bible or, or any of that sort of thing. I love answering those questions and looking into them. And one thing I can always guarantee is that um, I, I can guarantee that I won't always have the answer. Um, I can guarantee that I won't always know everything. But what I can also guarantee is that if I get a question that I personally don't know the answer to, I will find out an answer. I will go and seek it out and do the research and then I will respond here. So that's my promise to you. So. I would love to hear from you guys. So if you have questions, send them in. I'm going to go ahead and sign off and uh, wait for those questions. So this is the demo of the, um, I think I'd call it maybe Ask a Youth Pastor or something like that. Um, So this is the demo episode of Ask a Youth Pastor. Let's see if we can get some questions. All right. So good. So I got a question. So it's time to go to the very first question. Here it is. Hey Aaron, my name's Matt. I'm just wondering, what thing have you learned most in youth ministry? Wow, Matt, that's a great question. Um, I think probably the most important thing I've learned in youth ministry is you gotta get some good interns because good interns make everything better. Um, This is actually a question from Matt With, who is my intern. So thank you, Matt, for this awesome, awesome question. Um, I appreciate you helping out this podcast. I have learned a lot of things, honestly, like too many things to really narrow down, like what was the most important thing. Um, 
But I can tell you that the most important thing about youth ministry is the people. It's the the youths. <laughs> um, it's relationships, really. And for me, I've always thought of the kids in my youth group as family. I've always thought of them as my little brothers and sisters. And um, I remember, I'll give you this, Matt. Um, this is something that I picked up a while ago that was really good. I was reading a book called The Young People's Pastor, which is this book that was written in like the 1800s, like when youth ministry first began over in, I think, England. And um, the guy who wrote it, you know, it's very old English, um, very, it's a rad book, I'll lend it to you. Um, but one of the things that he said was, if you are a youth minister, you're gonna have to discipline people at times. You're gonna have to, you know, when people mess up, when, when people um, do things that are wrong, you're gonna have to step in and correct them. But what he said was, um, for every correction that you make to a student, you should have invested about a hundred positive things into their life before that, like a hundred encouragements, a hundred high fives, a hundred just affirmations. And um, the idea is if you're just a disciplinarian, if you're just going around telling people everything that they're doing wrong, they're not going to listen to you and they're not going to respect you. But if, if you're somebody who has told them, hey, I love you, I care about you, I appreciate you, I'm your buddy, I'm your friend, I'm your fan, then when it's time to come and say, you know, hey man, um, I love you, but I gotta say, you, you kind of messed up here and you need to repent. That person is gonna receive it so much better coming from you when you have given them tons of encouragement on the front end. Um, they're gonna be able to receive that correction and that direction and instruction. And um, that's just something that I found to be true. Um, if I'm just going around bossing around kids or just trying to assert authority on them, I'm just gonna become another teacher in their life, just another school administrator, just somebody who is an authority figure. And let's face it, teenagers aren't exactly the biggest fans of authority figures. Um, and I heard a long time ago someone say to me when I first started in youth ministry, um, just like, hey, listen, you're their pastor, you're not their friend. And I just disagree with that. I think if you're gonna be in youth ministry, you have to be friends with the people you're ministering to. Um, it's not babysitting, it's mentoring and discipleship. And I think that's how Jesus did it. So there's my answer to your question, Matt. I don't know if it's the most important thing, but it's extremely important, I think. Speaking of interns, quick shout out to Matt With and David Sabio. These two guys came down from the Calvary Chapel Bible College and they've just been owning it. Like literally, I give them stuff to do and they're like, Aaron, we already did it. And I'm like, Matt, David, that's impossible. I haven't even told you yet. And they're just like, Aaron, we read your mind. We know your soul. These guys, they're insane. It's its insane how hard they work. Um, they're actually helping run the entire youth group while I'm gone in the UK right now. And uh, I just have total confidence in these guys. And uh, guys, I just, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a sappy love letter to the two of you, but uh, I, I do love you both. I think you're fantastic and you're doing a great job. So a um, little bit of love for our interns. Awesome. All right, so it's been, it's been like an hour and uh, no one besides my buddy Matt, my, my loyal intern, has sent me in any questions. But you know what? I'm not going to let it get me down because I have actually a stockpile of questions that I can fall back on. So I'm going to try to answer maybe two or three and then call it a night. 
so my first question, this is uh, questions that kids have written me uh, when I've gone to Christian clubs at schools or when I've done Q&A nights with my youth group. So I've, I'm going to pull from those questions. So my first question is, do pets go to heaven? So that clip we were just listening to was from the classic Don Bluth movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven, which if you haven't seen, uh, it's probably because he didn't grow up in the 80s or 90s. Um, so back to the question, do pets or animals go to heaven? Do all dogs go to heaven? Well, the Bible does not really say anything about it. That's the thing. Um, Jesus doesn't talk about it. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about animals having souls. Um, but we can look at the Bible and get some general principles that might give us a clue. The Bible talks about in Genesis how man it has the breath of life. But we also see in Genesis 1.30, 6.17, and 7.15 that animals also have the breath of life. And that's just to say that they're living. They're living beings. But the difference between the two is that men have, and women, <laughs> to be inclusive, uh, men and women are made in the image of God, while dogs and cats and lizards and other animals are not. Um, so being made in the image of God, what does that mean? That's a biblical term that we hear a lot. Um, to be made in the image of God, it means that you are like God. You, you're capable of having a spiritual life. Um, I've never woken up and seen a dog having devotions in the morning. Um, you've got a mind, you can think, you have emotion and will. Um, and I mean, do animals have emotion? I don't know that the jury's kind of out on that because I've seen videos of like dogs crying when soldiers come home from war. But then there's also videos of like cats, like just staring blankly when soldiers come home from war. So maybe dogs have souls, but cats are satanic. I, I, okay. Back to the question. Um, so, um, we don't really see anything about the, in the Bible about dogs or animals in general having souls. Um, but that being said, there's no reason for us to assume that animals won't be a part of the new creation. Um, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. And at the end of the Bible story, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is going to make everything the way it was always supposed to be back in the Garden of Eden. And in the garden, what do we find? Tons and tons of animals. So. I think it's safe to say there will be animals in heaven. Um, I think even in um, Isaiah and uh, places around in the Bible, it talks about the lion laying down with the lamb. And I don't think that's just a metaphor. I think uh, basically we're gonna see an animal kingdom in the new heaven and new earth where we take away the possibility of animals killing one another. And so we're gonna see things like lions chilling with lambs, which is gonna be great. Um, so. Yeah, that being said, um, animals in heaven, I think, yes, absolutely. Um, pets, like your personal pets showing up there, I'm not so sure. Um, it's a fun thing to think about, and I actually had two dogs in my life that died. Um, one named Abby when I was growing up, 
who was the loyal uh, family dog of my grandparents, and then um, another adorable little dog named Toby, who drowned in the pool um, when I was probably about a junior high kid, which was tragic. So yes, I've thought about it, but uh, you know, there's no guarantee. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, our next question is an amazing one. Uh, I'm going to read it. Here it is. If God loves us so much, then why did he create dinosaurs? That was, of course, the Jurassic Park theme. So, uh, if, if Jesus loves us so much, why did he create dinosaurs? What a question. Um, wow. Well, I mean, I get, I'm trying to figure out where this questioner was coming from when he turned in this note card at the FCA club at Guahomey, um, where I helped lead it last year. Okay, let me try to figure this out. Um, so from the perspective of the questioner, it's probably from someone who doesn't like dinosaurs, but who doesn't like dinosaurs? I don't get that. I mean, I guess from like the, uh, the biblical after Garden of Eden, post Eden man, uh, dealing with dinosaurs on the earth, I guess, um, that could be a question you'd ask like, Oh, my, my family is being eaten by dinosaurs. Uh, if God, if Yahweh loves us so much, why did he create these beastly creatures um into that i mean this is gonna sound crazy you're i'm gonna sound insane here but there is actually a theological answer to this question um think about it okay when god made dinosaurs what was the intention did he make them so they could eat humans or did he make dinosaurs with the intention of them living in a world without sin because that's when they were first made. Dinosaurs are animals. And uh, yeah, when they were first made, and they were chilling in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and it was a time before sin, before corruption. And so dinosaurs are not going around eating people. And I'm sure they were just made for the sake of being glorious. I mean, that's a big, powerful creature. And humans were to look at it and be like, oh man, Look at that sweet dinosaur. That's rad. Oh, that, that just shows me the glory of God. Just looking at that dinosaur makes me bask in awe at what a creative creator God we have. Um, that's the original intention of the dinosaur, is to reflect God's glory. Um, and then, obviously, sin comes in, corrupts everything, and then dinosaurs start eating people and other animals. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, Jesus can still be a loving God and also create dinosaurs. By the way, it's also really funny. Like just all the, there's so many things that like we don't think about Jesus doing. Like we think about him in the New Testament doing all the great deeds he did. But I mean, Jesus is God. So that means he did create everything. So at some point, Jesus Christ invented dinosaurs. <laughs> he like, I don't know how he did it. I don't want to get sacrilegious. But it just, I'm just imagining Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit sitting around and just being like, what, what do you want to make today? How about a dinosaur? How about a T-Rex? Okay, I'm, I'm getting weird now, but <laughs> it's just, it's so dumb. That was a dumb question, but I loved every second of it. 
All right, so it's pretty late right now in England. It's uh, 12.41 a.m. So I'm just going to do one more question tonight, and then I'll call it quits, and then uh, we'll see if I can get this thing going again, possibly with maybe some some guests on. I think that would be really cool. I'd love to have uh, some of my interns and volunteers help out. I'd love to have some other youth pastors help out. Um, and uh, I'd also love to have some of the students in my youth group help out. So we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see what this evolves into. But uh, for now, I am just going to do the final question. The final question for tonight is, how can I get back on track with God? I think this is a great question. And I don't know for the person asking it, what they're going through or where they're coming from. But I just know that so many people feel distant from God. So many people feel far away from Him. And to start off, um, I think the best thing I can say is um, a story, really. The best thing I can tell you is a story. And uh, it's the one that Jesus told about the prodigal son. And most of you have heard it, but I'll give it to you in a nutshell. There's a son who has a dad who loves him and his dad is a hard worker and he's been saving up a ton of money for his two sons uh, when he dies to pass on to them but this son is a punk and he comes to his dad and he's like dad i want the money now i don't want to wait for you to die give it to me now and he takes his dad's money and he goes off and he parties in the city and just spends it on drugs and women and alcohol and all this stuff and just basically wastes his life and his money um, he loses everything, loses his friends, loses his cash. He ends up working on a pig farm because uh, he can't find a job and there's a famine in the land. And he gets so desperate because the, the pig farmer can't even pay him. So he's so hungry, he starts eating the pig food. And at that moment, he's like, oh my gosh, my life. <laughs> my life is terrible. This is the worst. And he just realizes, he's like, oh, I blew it. My dad is so awesome and so loving and I just, I totally wasted his love and his money and oh man, I want to go back, but I'm just so afraid that my dad won't love me anymore. I'm so afraid that my dad won't accept me and he starts heading home and he's thinking like, he's, he's coming up with this speech, you know, that he's going to give his dad like, oh dad, uh, you know, I know you hate me. I know that I can never be your son again. I, I can sleep in the barn. I can, I can work on the farm, you know, just, you can pay me with carrots. That's all I need. Just, just a little bit of food to survive. And, you know, he's thinking, you know, oh, my dad is going to kill me. And he's, what am I doing? This is a stupid plan. And, and as he's getting towards the house, you know, he, he sees somebody on the porch and he's walking up the hill and it's his dad on the porch and his dad gets up and starts running at him full speed. And he's thinking like, oh my gosh, my dad's probably running towards me with a knife to stab me. He's probably so angry. But actually the reason that his dad is running towards him is because he just wants to throw his arms around him and, and hug him, you know? And the son's like, dad, dad, you don't understand. Like he's getting this, this hug from his dad. He's like, dad, you don't understand. Like I, I've messed up. And the dad's like, hey, just, just be quiet. Just, just, just understand that I'm stoked that you're home. I love you, son. I, 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 I don't care what you did. I don't care what you wasted. I thought you were dead and now you're alive and that's all that matters. And I mean, do you see like how amazing this story is? The, the, the thing that just, oh, this story just blows me away. The son had so much 
distance, he thought, between him and God. He's like, how can I, or, or between him and the father, which represents God in the story. You know, the son's like, how, how can I get back on track with my father? It's impossible. I've blown it. And he starts heading back. And what does the father do? The father, as soon as the son starts heading back, the father runs towards the son. The father bridges the gap in the distance. The whole point to me is like we a lot of times are like the sun. Like we mess up, we sin, we blow it. And we look at God like he's this mountain that we have to climb. You know, like we were at the top. Maybe we just got back from like a camp or a retreat and we felt like, oh man, I'm so spiritual. And then we sin and we feel like we just like tumble down to the bottom of the mountain. And so we think the way that we get back to God is by climbing that spiritual mountain. We think I've got to earn my way back. I've got to do all these things. I've got to wake up and read my Bible at five in the morning every day. And then God will love me after doing that for a month. And the reality is that God is not a mountain you have to climb. He's a loving father who's just waiting for you to come home. So all you have to do is start heading back towards him. To get back on track with God, you have to take that first step to decide in your heart that you're not going to run from him anymore. You're not going to hide from him anymore. You're going to just simply commit yourself to say, hey, I want you to be my heavenly father not just the guy I go and hear about at church, but the, the God that I have a relationship with, the friend who lives in my heart and has his spirit in my heart. Um, so yeah, like how do you get back on track with God? You have to take that first step to say, Jesus, I need you in my life desperately. Some great verses that just support what I'm talking about are uh, one is Psalm 9:10. It says, "And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you." That's one of the key themes of the Bible: is God responds to the people who seek Him. He's a God who He's not going to force Himself on anybody, but He's looking for those who are going to seek Him. Those who are saying, "God." I need you in my life and and he will not forsake those and and so many times you feel distant from God um, but you know God's relationship with you doesn't have anything to do with how you feel his relationship with you is dependent on who he is and what he already did for you and, and whether or not you're just responding to that whether or not you're realizing that another verse which is great is J James uh, 4 8 which says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, again, like God is waiting. He's waiting for people who will draw near to him. And by doing so, it's like you're opening yourself up to God and you're saying, God, I am willing for you to be in my life. I'm willing for your voice to guide me, for your discipline to correct me, for, for your influence to guide my path. Um, if we draw near to God, if we just simply spend time with him, if we simply just open ourselves up to him, and that looks different for everybody, um, but the, the bottom line is, are, are you spending time with the God who loved you so much that he died for you? Um, and, and finally, um, I, I love Hebrews 13:5, which says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is always with us. Um, he'll never leave us. 
and we forget that so often because we're struggling and we're dealing with issues and we think, oh, he's so far away. The, the son in the story felt like his father was so far away, but in reality, the father was with him all along. He was just waiting for the son to come home. Um, oh, and one other verse is Psalm 34, 18, which says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and he saves those who have a contrite spirit. And that's just a really important thing to add because so many times we sin, but we're so invested in our sin. We're just, we, we're holding on to it. We're like, oh, I love the sin. This sin is so amazing. I don't want to give this up, whether it's an action, whether it's friends that you're hanging out with, um, just influences in your life that are not good for you. <laughs> we hold on to these things. And so we sin, but there's no broken heart. There's no conviction. We're not like, oh my gosh, I just blew it. And I know that that breaks God's heart. And so it breaks my heart. If you're in that place, just understand one of the first steps to getting back on the track with God is asking him, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Because if we don't have a broken heart over sin, if that just, if we just do it and there's just nothing, we feel nothing, that's such a bad place to be because we're going to just continue to get pulled off the path of following Jesus. And instead we're going to just get pulled into the path of our own desires and just doing all the stupid things that we want to do. And in reality, the, the best thing that we can do for our souls is letting the things that break God's heart break ours. When we sin, just letting that that conviction hit us. Not condemnation, not condemnation, that's from Satan, but that conviction that says, oh, this sickens me, this thing that I've done. Like, I don't wanna continue to do this because I know this is something that is against the nature of God himself. So yeah, that's just, that's that's where I'd put it. That's where I'm at. And um, I just encourage you guys listening to this to to pray about it. Sorry, I'm like slurring my words. I'm I'm tired. It's late. Um, I think uh, I think we're done. All right. So this has been the first episode of Ask a Youth Pastor, and uh, hopefully there'll be more. Um, hopefully it'll get more and more awesome as time goes. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it. And uh, I know some of the questions were silly, but it is Ask a Youth Pastor. So there you go. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if anyone is listening to this, um, but hopefully eventually they will because uh, I've been blessed to give these answers and hopefully you've been blessed listening. So maybe share this with some friends or if not, just listen to it alone in a dark room <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that's what I'm doing I'm recording this alone in a dark room so uh, join me in the dark room <laughs> what I don't I don't know uh, it's late and I'm tired I'm in England most of you listening are in America so we've all got our own dark cold <laughs> I'm making this sound so depressing just listen to it and maybe share it with a friend if you would like to. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And hopefully we will meet again soon on these airwaves here. So I want to give a special thanks to Phil Wickham for uh, introducing me to this app. Not like personally, like we weren't hanging out. I'm not cool enough to hang out with Phil Wickham one-on-one. It's been a long time since those days, but uh, I did see an Instagram story 
that he did where he talked about this app and uh, he's got his own little show on here, which is rad. He's answered some questions. So go check that out. That's really cool. And I also want to thank Matt with for uh, sending in a question. Thank you, Matt. And I want to not thank Brant Nakamura because he said he was going to send in a question and then he didn't. So you got my hopes up, Brant. Thanks a lot. Anyway, I still love you, Brant. Send in a question next time. All of you listening should send in a question next time. So until next time, I'll see you around. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android. 